Last week we began a new series. What is it called? What is it called? How many of you got to hear the message? You heard the message. You were here, you heard it, or you heard it online. Okay. That is maybe 20% 20 of you. Please, it's available online. I pray that you will be here every week. That will please the Lord, and that's going to be good for your soul. But if circumstances keep you from coming, the good thing is you can still listen to the messages online. Uh, you can put in my name, Darlington Johnson, and you should be able to find me, I think, on YouTube. Or certainly you can go to the church's uh, Facebook page. Uh, but there are just many ways by which you can hear the message. We'll also have a podcast. You will do yourself and you will bring glory to God if you will make it a practice of listening to God's word and hearing God's word over and over again. So last week, we began the series Family Feud. Some of you are familiar with the, the TV show Family Feud with um, Steve Harvey. And it's a comedy. It's, it's, uh, it is my, uh, one of my favorite TV shows. I love to relax and watch Steve Harvey and Family Feud. But this series isn't about that there's nothing funny about the series we are embarking upon. In this series, we're talking about the war that is taking place over families, over God's purpose for the family. And last week, we reminded you that there is a real war and a real attack on families. Satan doesn't want families to do well. He doesn't want families to fulfill God's purpose. And so he's attacking. He, there's, a, there's a constant assault from the kingdom of darkness directly aimed at degrading families, devaluing families, destroying families. There's a cultural war that is being waged against the family. You see that in the redefining of what marriage is and uh, redefining of genders and just a whole lot of stuff coming against the biblical understanding of family the way God designed it in Genesis chapter 1. That, that's pretty much being rejected in Genesis 2 and 3. Just rejected by the world and being replaced. That, is, that thing is originating in hell. Okay? And that's an attack on the biblical family as God designed it. And there's a reason why Satan is so intent on destroying the family, because he knows the family is the basic unit of society. The family, I said last week, is like a garden that grows the fruit that society feeds on. So as the family goes, so will society. If the families are dysfunctional, society will be dysfunctional, no doubt about it. So if he can destroy families, he can destroy society. He knows that. And he can destroy children because children many times uh, are impacted by the family. It takes the grace of God um, to preserve these children when, when families are falling apart. Satan knows that. So he goes for families. And so because we're aware of that, we need to be vigilant um, in, in, in resisting his efforts. The Bible says, Humble yourself under the hand of God, then resist the devil and he will flee. So there has to be resistance and resistance against the enemy 
who's warring against family, against your marriages, against your children, against the relationship between husband and wife, fathers and their children, mothers and their children. If you are going to resist that, it begins with a decision. Until you make a decision to resist it, Satan will have his way. So last week we challenged all who were present to make a decision just like Joshua did. Joshua said to the children of Israel, you know, I want you to decide who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's say that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A firm decision that we're going to serve the Lord. Each of us needs to make a firm decision. Whether you are an individual or you are a couple or you're a couple with children, whatever position you find yourself in at this time of your life, you need to make the decision that you're going to resist the devil. You're going to take a stand for God and for family, biblical family values. Hallelujah. And what you're able to do in America in terms of the, the war being waged politically and culturally against the family, use whatever rights, whatever freedoms you have to stand for family values. But today, I really want to focus not on the external war that is taking place. I want to focus on the internal war that is taking place in your homes, the civil war that is taking place between husbands and wives, between parents and children, on the inside of our homes on that particular territory. The enemy is at work. And there is where he scores his greatest points. We want to do what we can to influence culture and to influence the laws of the nation. And we want to do it peacefully. But where the real battle takes place and where the Christian must be most vigilant is with resisting the attacks of the enemy upon your family, your marriage, your relationship as husband and wife, your children, their relationship with you. You need to make a decision. You're going to stand with God. You're going to stand for what God stands for. And you're going to resist the enemy and any attempt by the enemy to destroy God's purpose for the family. You will do your part. But once you make that decision... You can't stop there. That decision must be followed with action. This is war. And in warfare, if you're going to win, <laughs> you need determination, but you also need a strategy. You need weapons. You need to understand the enemy and what he's trying to do so that you know how to resist him. And so I want us to look at the family today and to be able to identify how the enemy comes in and what is one of his most effective tools for disrupting, degrading families. And I want us to look at today what is one of the most essential weapons that we have been given that we must employ if we are going to successfully resist the enemy 
and deny him the access that he wants. Hallelujah. And so let's do this. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. And I want us to read from verse 3 to verse 6. I want to show you something. Because many times we fail to recognize what I'm about to show you. And as a result, the enemy is having his way in our homes. Let's read it together. Through wisdom, everybody, I want to hear you. Through wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. A house, that's a household, that's a family. So you could really translate this, uh, interpret this in this way. Through wisdom, a family, a marriage, a home, a family is built and by understanding it is established. You know, thank God for love. Just about everybody who gets married gets married because they feel they love one another. Yet, many of those marriages that were based on love are falling apart. Many are ending up in divorce. What's missing? Here's what's missing. Wisdom. You see, love by itself is not enough. In order to build a successful family, one that is firmly established, one that will survive the attacks of the enemy, one that will survive the cultural wars, one that will uh, uh, survive the, the, the differences that exist uh, between a man and a woman and all of those individual personalities that are intermingled together to form a family. We need more than this love that we have for one another. We need wisdom, the wisdom that informs us as to how to express and how to walk in love. Wisdom and understanding. Let's read the next verse. By knowledge, the rooms are what? Filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Here is God saying, if you will have a strong, healthy, fulfilling marriage, strong, healthy family, you need wisdom. You need understanding. You need knowledge concerning the family and how the family is supposed to work. And absent of that wisdom, absent of that knowledge and understanding, you are going to be very vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And your marriage or your home will be susceptible to the storms of life. Jesus told a parable about those who built on a rock. And the storms came, but he said their house, their family remained intact in spite of the storm because they were builders on the word. In other words, they received wisdom, they acted upon wisdom, and as a result, their house was able to withstand the pressure. We need wisdom. Look at the next verse. A wise man is, that's kind of weak. None of you sound strong here. All of you sound weak. Does that mean nobody's wise here? Let's say it together strongly. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. 
So if you and I want to be strong, and you need to be strong when you stand against the enemy, you need to be strong to defend your family. He says, if you want strength, if you want to grow in strength, then what do you need? Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Love alone will not sustain your marriage. You need wisdom, you need knowledge, you need understanding. And that's why we want to encourage you. Always seek knowledge, wisdom, understanding. That's why coming on a regular basis weekly to church and hearing the word and then hearing the word and then hearing the word is so important because that's how you get wisdom. That's how you get understanding. That's how you get knowledge. If you simply hear the word, it goes through one ear and through the other and you're done with it, you're not going to be strong. In the day of adversity, you're going to succumb. But if you are acquiring wisdom, acquiring understanding, acquiring knowledge, you will be strong. Now, what is the source of this wisdom? What is the source of this knowledge? It's the word of God. Are you hearing me? True wisdom comes from God. The Bible says Jesus is made unto us wisdom. In all that getting, get wisdom. There is the wisdom of God and there's the wisdom of the world, which is no wisdom, it's pseudo-wisdom. True wisdom comes from God. And when you listen to the wisdom of God and apply the wisdom of God, you live. You become strong. Adam and Eve were given wisdom by God in the garden. And God said, you can eat of all of the trees, but don't eat of this one because if you eat of this one, you'll die. That was wisdom from God that would have sustained and preserved their lives and their families. Cain would not have killed Abel if they had listened to the wisdom of God. But they chose not to. They chose to ignore what God said and do what they wanted to do. And I want to caution you. You have a choice every day whether or not you will walk in the wisdom of God or not. Whether you apply the wisdom of God to your life personally and to your marriage. You have a choice every day. You can choose like Eve and Adam did. You can choose the wisdom of the world, which is pseudo-wisdom. That wisdom always leads to death in some form. Or you can choose the wisdom that God gives through his word. And God's wisdom always leads to life in some form. And so while you always have the freedom to choose, I caution you, I advise you, choose God's wisdom over that of the world. And right now, the wisdom of God concerning marriage and family is under huge attack because the enemy is trying to undermine the wisdom of God and replace it with something completely different. Let others be deceived, not you. Not you. Hallelujah. Now, there's another scripture that helps us here. The Lord said concerning the enemy. He says, be not ignorant of his devices. Again, that's the idea of knowledge. You have an enemy. And you are at a disadvantage if you're ignorant of how he operates and what he does. The more you know about how he operates, what weapons are at his disposal, the more you can prepare and equip yourself to resist, to stand, and to overcome. Hallelujah. So we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. What is the enemy doing? What is he targeting? And what is he 
attacking in order to do damage to the family, to marriages, etc., etc. One of the areas that the enemy has focused on and is from a natural standpoint, as we observe, has proven to be very effective, has to do with the hierarchical governmental structure of the family. You see, God who designed the family, remember God is the one who created the family, right? He created family in the garden when he said it's not good that man be alone. And when he says be fruitful and multiply, God created the family. And when God created the family, he designed it and he set up the structure by which it was to operate. And when that structure is respected, when that structure is understood, and when that structure is properly applied, marriages work. Are you hearing me? The enemy is denied a significant avenue of access. And here is how God designed it. And we're going to look at this more in Ephesians chapter 5. When he designed it, he said that the man is the head of the home. He, the man is what? And he goes on and says, now women, submit yourselves to your own husbands. A wife, submit yourself to your own husbands. He didn't say women, submit yourself to men. He said wives, Submit yourself to your own husband in everything. That's the structure that God's established. My goodness. Do you understand how archaic that sounds? How not politically correct that is? Do you know how many persons would be offended by the statement I just made? That when a husband and a wife comes together in the home, the structure is such that the man, as the man, is the head of the home, and the wife is the helper, and she is to submit to her husband? My, my, my. Not only in the world, but in the church, many of our young people cannot understand that at all. They, they, you know, they may not say it, but they think that Bible is so off, so not politically correct, and then they will come up with many reasons why that is not a wise thing to do. But how many of you know, I love what this person said, they said, stop trying to change the word of God when the intention of the word of God is to change you. We're busy trying to rewrite scripture to conform it to our idea of what is wisdom and what's right. When the truth is, you and I are supposed to come to Scripture and let Scripture change us. Now, it's not just the world that is resisting this. So many of us who are Christians, not just churchgoers, but born-again Christians, have a hard time with that idea. And so the enemy is quite effective in undermining that Structure, governmental structure God established. And as a result, here's a word that you may have heard. He has decapitated the head. And when you decapitate the head, 
everything else ceases to function properly, if at all. So watch it. In the war with, with, against, against Ukraine, what was Russia's primary intent initially was to go into Kiev and decapitate the government by capturing the president because they knew if they could destroy the authority structure in that country, it would be so easy then for them to bring the entire nation under their subjection. So Jesus says, he says, if you strike the shepherd, head, authority, if you keep, decapitate the head of the church, decapitate the head of the home, decapitate the head of a nation, if you do that, everything else will begin to fall apart very quickly. Thank God the Ukrainian army successfully resisted the attempts of the Soviet, of Russia, to decapitate their head. And that's why they're still today fighting and resisting and experience a good deal of success on the ground against a much stronger and larger army. Because they protected the headship. They protected the authority structure and that structure is still in place. The enemy comes after the structure in your home and family if you allow that structure to be decapitated. It's so easy then for the enemy to step in and all kinds of other problems begin to ensue. When there is no respect for authority, when the authority structure has broken down in the family, strife becomes common. Children rebel. And it shows up in their attitudes and their actions. Are you hear me? Conflicts. Lack of communication, poor communication, lack of trust, all kinds of bad things begin to happen that just causes the family to continue to deteriorate and deteriorate until sometimes it ceases to exist altogether and it ends up in divorce. Are you hear me? Are you hear me? So we have to pay attention to this this structure that God has put in place. And one of the things we need to do in this war is to defend it, safeguard it, make sure it remains in place. Do not allow the enemy to overthrow the structure. Now, What often happens is that because of a lack of wisdom on how this is supposed to function practically, the enemy many times will influence the husbands to abuse that authority. Because they have authority, they not having wisdom and understanding of how they're supposed to exercise that authority, they abuse it. And when men abuse, the husbands abuse that authority, and that authority then breaks down, the consequences are grave on the family. But on the other hand, women also can be influenced by the enemy to dismiss that authority altogether. 
and no longer respects the role that the husband is supposed to play in the family as the head of the household. Now let me repeat, God did not say every woman is subject to every man. No, as a single woman, as a single man, you don't have to submit to any man. No man is your head just because you're a woman, okay? But when you choose to get married and create this institution called marriage, God has a system in place that he has established and he has established it for the good of everybody in that family. That structure is established so that family can be whole. That structure is established so that the needs of everybody in the family can be adequately met. That structure is actually established not to put women in particular in bondage, but to liberate and free them to be all God has called them to be. You got to understand the one who created that structure, never created it so it can be oppressive or destructive. He created it so that it can, be, it can create the environment in which the husband can flourish, the wife can flourish, the children can flourish, and he can be glorified. But for that to happen, we need to understand how it operates, understand the principles that govern it, and then be doers of the word, not hearers. Because you see, it's one thing to know the word, it's another thing to do it. Yeah, most people can tell you, they know what, oh yeah, I know this, I know this, I know this, but when it comes to doing it, that's another thing altogether. You see, knowledge is acquiring information. Wisdom is applying that information or that knowledge properly. And so when you know stuff, but you don't apply it, you're not walking in wisdom. That's foolishness. So I pray that as we study this morning and as you commit yourself to studying further, you will acquire wisdom concerning how this is supposed to operate, this hierarchical structure, this authority, submission in the family, how is it supposed to function so that you apply wisdom in, a, in, in obeying the Lord and by doing so you deny the enemy access to your home and your home and your family can fulfill its purpose. So are you ready? Are you ready? All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter five and we're gonna, and we're gonna begin at verse uh, 17. Now, Ephesians 5, verse 17, please. Okay, let's read that together. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the... You see, listen to me. I know many times the way we want to solve problems is by prayer alone. Or by love alone. Listen to me. Many of the problems that we face in marriage and in our homes will not be solved by prayer alone. That's why over and over again we read where wisdom builds the house. Now he says, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Many of the solutions to our problems will happen when we get wisdom. And we start to apply the wisdom to the problem. Now, prayer is useful because you can get wisdom through prayer. But you should pray for wisdom. Many of us are praying for a miracle. Lord, change my husband. The Lord said you need some wisdom. If you apply wisdom, then your husband can change. Lord, change my wife. Man, you need some wisdom. If you get some wisdom and you start applying wisdom, you'll be amazed at how your husband will start to change. So, yes, we need to pray. 
Yes, we need to ask God to do a work in the hearts, in our own hearts, in the hearts of our partner. But hear me, you and I need to be praying and asking for wisdom. Not just in marriage, in every area. In your finances, ask for wisdom. In your business, ask for wisdom. In your health, ask for wisdom. Many times all we ask for is healing. Why don't we also ask for wisdom? Lord, give me some wisdom as to how I need to conduct myself, what I need to do in order to improve my health or to prevent certain things from happening. In all that getting, get what? Wisdom. Pray. Trust God. But receive wisdom. And then apply that. Because until you apply knowledge, you're not wise. So he says you should understand what the will of the Lord is. Now notice what happens next. Go to verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be what? So the, the, the will of the Lord is that you be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Influence, control, understand God's will is that all believers be spirit-led, spirit-controlled under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Next verse. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Now this is, he's not beginning to describe some of the characteristics of the spirit-filled person. All men and women who are under the influence and control of the spirit, he says one of the characteristics will be joy and thanksgiving. Amen. If you're always complaining, always griping, always down, you're not being influenced by the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is filling you and you allow him to do so, you'll be thanking God. You'll be praising God. In the midst of difficult situations, you will be singing and praising and giving God thanks. That's one of the marks of the spirit-filled person. Go on. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the result of being filled with the Spirit. Verse 21. Now notice this. You may never have associated this with the Spirit-filled light. But notice what he said. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. What does that say? It says that one of the characteristics of spirit-filled people, spirit-filled men, spirit-filled women, spirit-filled boys and girls, is that they are able to, and this is freely as an act of their will, this is not forced or coerced, but because they're under the influence of the Spirit, just like Jesus submitted to the Father, they submit to one another in the reverence, out of respect for God. So that's God's will for what? All of us, men, women, boys and girls, the will of the Lord is that we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit and that produces this attitude of humility and mutual submission where men and women, boys and girls, those who are in positions of authority, those who are under authority, everybody is characterized by this humility that causes them to submit to one another, respect one another, honor one another. So that's the general principle. And then he begins to apply this general principle to your marriages, to your homes, and the different circumstances. So watch what he says. Next verse. He says, wives, do what? Submit to your own husband. So wait a minute. He's saying everybody who's spirit-filled, spirit-controlled ought to be submitting to one another. And wait a minute, wives, this is how it, you apply this in your home. You ought to do what? Submit, honor, respect your own husbands. And do it as though you're doing it unto lost an act of worship. 
as an act of praise and thanksgiving, women, wives, submit to your husbands. Next verse. For the husband is the head of the wife. You see the structure? The husband has been appointed to a position of headship. He is the head of the family. As also Christ is the head of the church. And he, Christ, is the savior of the body. So what do we learn from this? We learn that the man is the head of the family. And the role of the wife is to do what? Submit to him as the head of the family because of his position in the family as the head she is to respect him just like under Christ I'm the head of this family this church family alright and God's order and structure would say to you honor, respect, submit to the authority of the bishop now there are parameters we know we're not talking about when we step outside of God's word will but within the parameters of righteousness and the word of God there's an authority structure here that we're supposed to honor. All right? In the same way, when you get married, God says the man is the head, and he says to the woman, here's the way it's going to work. For this marriage and this family to be whole, for you all to be one, for you all to make decisions, and for there to be the relationships to be maintained, and, and this family can grow and fulfill its purpose, there has to be an order, and here's the order. I'm assigning to the husband, the man, the role of headship over the family. And wife, I want you to honor that position by submitting and respecting his authority. Just as the church does Christ. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in what? Dougie. Let's read that together. Make sure it's in the Bible. So let the wives be to their own husbands in what? I see some of you don't even want to say it because you figure if you say it, then you got to obey it. But that's what it says. Now, we can try to change it and, 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 and impose the world's opinion on the text and redefine the roles in marriage. Or we can say, no, no, we're going to stick with what God said. God knows what he's doing. And this is ultimately wisdom and this is ultimately for good. So he says, your husbands are, wives are to submit to husbands' wives. Every, now, obviously now, when he's saying that, you know he's not saying that you should obey your husband and do things that are sinful, illegal, immoral, and all those things. But there's an attitude here that says you are the head of the family, okay? And you have the authority in this family to make final decisions. Okay? Respect that. Honor that. Now, and the husbands want me to stop. That's right where you want me to stop, right? You see, why? This is our problem. You don't honor me. I make decisions, and you don't submit. You think you always have to have the life. Do you see whether you want me to stop there? But I'm sorry, that's not where the message stopped. So we got to go on. All right, so let's see what else he says. Let's read that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And aha. You want her to submit. Okay, scripture says she should. 
But that same scripture that says to her, honor you and submit to you as the head, also said you should love her as Christ loved the church and give yourself. That means be willing, if necessary, to die for her. You see, you still want to be the head? You still think, and women, you still think God is biased towards men? Absolutely not. God is taking care of his daughters. Because all he says to the women in this relationship, let the man be the head, respect his authority. He is the head, respect him because he's the head of the home. But then he says, now you who are head, this is what you're supposed to do with your headship. This is what you're supposed to do with the authority that I just gave you. You are not to use it to abuse your wife. The people, the Gentiles, they, they, they want, they lord it over, uh-uh, you're not to use this authority to lord it over your wife. Let me say this. In the book of Genesis, when man and Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, a curse came upon women in particular. And what did God say? He says, woman, because of this, your husband will do what? Rule over you. That's a curse. A man ruling, that means you do what I say. You hear what I say. When I say this is how we spend the money, yes. When I say this is what you can do this, yes. You rule. That's a curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse. So when you get into the new covenant, God does not say to the husband, you shall rule over your wife. He says, yes, you have authority and the wife needs to respect it, but you shall love her. Not use your authority to rule, but use your authority to love. Remember we read earlier, submitting to one another. Everybody submits to each other. The wife submits to her husband because of his position in the home. The husband submits to his wife because of her position in his heart. She submits because of his position he submits because of his love. Well, let, me, let me say, let me, let, let, let me, let, so everybody is submitting. The wife is submitting because he's the head. He has authority, I submit to that. But the husband now submits, not because of her position. Her position is not over him. Not in the home, but because of her position in his heart. He loves us. She submits to him because he has authority by virtue of his position. So she submits because of his authority. He submits because of his responsibility. He submits to her needs because he has a responsibility to provide and care for her needs. So the husband has a right to expect the wife to honor his position and let him be the head of the home. The wife has a right to expect the husband to honor her needs. And because of his responsibility, he is to submit to her needs. In other words, when you are making a decision as the head of the home, you put her needs before yours. You don't get to have the authority and also get to put your needs before hers. 
Choose now, which one do you want? I don't get to have both. I get to be the authority in the home to have that position. But I don't get to have that position and also have the right to put my knees before hers. That's abuse of authority. Oh, this is better than I thought it would be. Do you see? So when Satan gets that all messed up, and men start thinking that because they have authority, that means they get to have their way. And the woman says, yes, and that's the way it's supposed to be. You have misunderstood the structure, how it's supposed to function. Yes, you are the head of the home. Yes, you have authority as the head of the home. Yes, the scripture teaches that the women, the wife, must respect that authority and let you be the leader. The woman should not usurp that authority. Because if she usurps that authority, then she sabotages God's plan for the home. She undermines what God is doing. And she keeps you from fulfilling your responsibility to her. Because here's an axiom of leadership. If I give you responsibility to do something, I have to give you the authority to do it. I can't give you responsibility, hold you responsible, or give you no authority. So if God is going to say to the man, I'm holding you responsible to take care of, provide for, protect your wife and your children, then it's only fair that he has the authority to do so. The authority is given so he can fulfill the responsibility. And why do you need to let him have that authority so that he can fulfill the responsibility? If you, use, you, if you usurp the authority, then you cannot blame him if the responsibility is not fulfilled. And you are sabotaging God's plan. On the other hand, man, if you accept that responsibility which God has given you to function as the head, you got to understand that the purpose for that authority is first and foremost to be used in her behalf and in behalf of your children. So if you're going to exercise that authority and not abuse it, you have to also submit to her, not as the head, but you submit to her because of your responsibility to her needs. You place her needs before yours when you are exercising your authority. When you don't do so, you're abusing your authority. And the enemy will capitalize on that to destroy the structure of the family and lead to its decline. Are you hearing me? This is good stuff. And if you get this wisdom and you start to apply it, you deny the enemy access to your home. Okay, let's go to 1 Peter 7. No, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I want to show you the Bible says, in mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Go to 1 Peter 3, 7. Notice what that verse says. Let's, let, let's read it together. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. Them who? Your wives. With what? Aha. Uh-huh. Dwell with your wives with understanding. I told you the problem is that we lack knowledge, we lack wisdom, we lack understanding. Husbands have authority, but they don't invest enough time to get knowledge and understanding. Understanding of what? Of who? Understanding of women. And women in general, and your wife in particular. 
You cannot exercise your responsibility to meet her needs if you don't understand what her needs are. So if you take your position seriously, if you're a good and godly leader, not one of the lords that lorded over people in the world, one of your first responsibilities, and my response is, okay, now that I have this huge, you mean God has given me this kind of authority over this household to take care of us, another person, to make sure that they're okay, and to make sure their needs are met, wow, I'm accountable to God for that, then I better spend some time truly getting to know and to understand this person. So you begin by understanding all women in general because in general there are certain things I think all women have in common. Just there are certain things all men have. I mean, there may be few exceptions, but there are some rules that seem to be common. But don't just stop with a general knowledge. There, there is a specific knowledge. You have one wife and she's an individual. Get to know who she is, what she appreciates, what she doesn't appreciate. Get to know her needs. Because your job is to use your authority to help meet those needs. You women, y'all got to pay me after this. So. Don't worry, men, you will pay me too. You watch it. Because God, God is an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> he doesn't play favorites. But let's, let's understand it. Are you here? So we men are to dwell with our wives with what? Again, it's not just prayer. And fasting. That's not what is going to make your wife what you want her to be. You want her to be sanctified, like Jesus said, beautiful, glorious. You got to pay the price of understanding her. That's your duty. So if we, I keep saying you, I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. If we don't pay the price to truly get understanding and to get to really know our spouse, we're failing in our duty as men. So I've been trying for 40 years to get to know her. So I, I, don't worry, you're going to spend the rest of your life, but you still got to make it your goal. Just keep learning. And just, just when you think you, you understand, you discover, uh-oh, <laughs> Anyway, that's the cross you're going to have to bear. In Jesus' name. But that's our responsibility. And then notice what he said. Giving honor to the wife. Most of the time we men, we say the wife must honor me, the wife must honor me, the wife must honor me. And the wife should honor you. You are the head. But this thing goes both ways. You see, this is where the enemy messes us up. Because the thing is just supposed to come one way. The wife is supposed to honor me. The wife is supposed to honor me. But that is not the way it operates. It goes both ways. Yes, the wife is honoring me as head. But he said you ought to honor her too. You ought to submit to one another and you ought to honor her. How do you honor her? One of the ways you honor her is by getting to understand her. Know what she needs. Understand what she needs. Understand how to minister to her. Understand how to respond to her. That's honoring her. Giving honor to the wife as to the what? Weaker. Now, I know there was a time when most women didn't mind being called weaker. But nowadays, I got to make sure I'm not causing anybody to be offended. Because the women say, no, we're strong. We want to go to war. Even when we're pregnant, we want to be on the battlefront. A lot of women are saying that. So men and women now will get offended if I say 
women are the weaker vessel. Now, God is not saying that women are inferior. But what he is saying is that when it comes to marriage, the husband, in fulfilling his responsibility, must treat and regard his wife as a weaker vessel. In other words, regard her as someone who has more needs than you have. Regard her as someone who's going to be dependent more on you than you are to be dependent on her. In other words, you ought to see yourself as a stronger one. And instead of saying, oh, the wife don't do this, the wife must do this, the wife must do this, see yourself as a stronger one who is to minister to her. See her as having more needs than you. Get to understand what those needs are. See her as more dependent upon your support than you are on hers. And if you understand that, then you understand how you're supposed to use your authority. You're supposed to use your authority to help support her, undergird her where she's weak. Oh, are you hearing this? So how will you do that if you never talk to her, you never listen to her, you always... So now the women want me to stop. Right? Now you want me to stop because I've just said the husbands, but you see that word likewise? Say likewise. That means he says something before. So let's go to what he said before. Go to verse 6, please. Go up, go up. No, go to verse 1. Go to verse 1. Let's see what he said before. Look at verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own. Uh-oh. So in verse 7, he says to husbands, husbands, likewise, honor your wife. But in verse 1, he said, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband. So the husband, likewise, is to submit himself, just like the woman, likewise, is to submit herself. And if you go further, he says to servants, submit to your masters, so the wife is supposed to submit to her husband like the servant is supposed to submit to her master and the husband is to submit to his wife like the wife is to submit to him. A lot of submitting going on. What this means is, again, I'm, I'm reminding you of what I said before. The way God has designed this thing is for all of us to be submitting one to another. We just submit in different ways because we have different needs. The wife submits to the husband who is the head so he can fulfill his responsibility. The husband submits to the wife because he's responsible for her. He submits to her needs, placing her needs before his. At the end of the day, everybody needs love. The husband needs love. The wife needs love. But the way the husband experiences love and the way the wife experiences love is a little bit different, generally. You see, here it is. Listen to me. We men, I almost want to say all men, but just in case there is one who doesn't fit this category, let me say most men, for them, 
wife, your love is not love if it doesn't bring respect. Your love is not love if it doesn't feel like respect. I don't care what you do. Are you hearing me? If at the end of the day, your husband doesn't feel respected, your love won't be experienced as love. So when you're loving your husband, make sure that you're conducting yourself in a way that makes him feel respected. For him, that's what love feels like. And for the woman, men, love does not feel like love unless she feels secure. So you can be doing all that you do and have all the wonderful reasons you do what you do, but if at the end of the day, all the love that you have for her isn't resulting in her feeling more and more secure, you're not loving her the right way. You need wisdom. You see, when we understand these things and we respect these principles, we deny the enemy access to our home and to our family. At the end of the day, we are to love one another. But we need to understand our wives, understand our husbands, and understand the way God has wired us, women. Your submission allows us to feel respected. And husbands, you need to hear this. Your commitment to caring for your wife allows her to feel secure. If everybody walks according to God's wisdom regarding this structure, the enemy attack against your home will be resisted and the civil war that many of you are experiencing will cease. But I'm not quite finished. God had a few more things to say about women. So can, can I finish it? Okay, let's keep on reading. Verse two. No, go back, go back, go back to verse one. Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, now, what is he saying? He's saying husbands will not be perfect and you will be married to imperfect men. Some of us more imperfect than others. He says, if you happen to be married to one of those imperfect men who lacks wisdom, who doesn't know that he is supposed to be submitting his needs to your needs and prioritizing your needs over you. If you're married to one of those, he says, even them, even if they do not obey the word, they, those kinds of husbands, without a word, a word from who? You, wife. God is saying, one of the problems is when you got these men, you try to change them with your words. And he's saying, listen, talking to them rudely, talking down upon them, being, there's a big word, I hope I can pronounce it correct, professorial, professorial, where you are the professor and you're teaching them. Huh? He says, 
If you try to approach a man like that, you know what's going to happen? You're causing him to feel disrespected. And right then, he's not feeling a lot of love. And what's going to happen? He's going to resist, either outwardly or inwardly. So God is saying, when you have a husband like that, it's unfortunate. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We sympathize. But he says the way to impact them and change them is not with words. It's not by you yelling at them, raising your voice, can't let them talk. It's not by you simply, by you putting your face or your finger to them and getting into a heated argument. He says that's not what's going to work. He says what is going to work if you want to change them, if there's any hope of changing those kinds of men. He says this is how you do it. Not with a word, but they may be won by what? Their conduct. Now, this is where you're going to need some help because this doesn't come natural. But he says this is how you can do it. By your conduct, the way you hope to change your husband and teach him how to be a godly leader. It's not with words, but with your attitude, your conduct, the way you behave. Next verse. When they who, the husband, the one who is misbehaving, not obeying the word, not treating you right, when they observe what? Your conduct. Accompanied by what? Now, that word fear doesn't mean trembling. That's reverence, respect. He says, when they observe your conduct, even though they're not behaving themselves, and you tell them. I'm not saying you don't tell them uh, what bothers you, what your needs are. He says, but if they are not changing, don't try to force it with words. By your conduct, the way you continue to relate to them, you can impact and change them. He says, by your conduct accompanied by fear. In other words, everything you do and everything you say should always be accompanied by respect. Sila. The enemy will say, he does not deserve my respect. Yeah, he's attacking that structure. You resist and say, you know what? I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. If the men will honor their wives by submitting their needs to the wife's needs, and if the wives will honor their husbands by submitting their authority to his in the household, God will be able to work in that family. And the enemy's access will be denied. In Jesus' name. Do you accept this? Come on, raise your hand if you accept this. Yeah, now, this is not going to be easy. The flesh is still alive. But that is the direction. That's the instruction. And what we need to do is to pray that God will always help us to put this into practice. And when occasionally we fail... We should be humble enough to say, I repent. I misspoke. I, I didn't act properly. I put my knees before yours, wife. I'm sorry. I spoke to you in a disrespectful way. I shouldn't have done that even though I disagree with you. Repent. And then ask God for the grace to continue pursuing this structure and operating and putting your lives in alignment with it. Because that's how you resist the enemy. And that's how you overcome. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.